From deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. Brought to you by Texas Fishing Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke, the Outdoor Success Guy, back with another podcast. So excited to have the opportunity to turn on this microphone and share the outdoors lifestyle with you. Man, am I fired up this week. Uh, this is just a fantastic um, podcast I put together for you guys with Chester Moore, our editor-in-chief. I'm really excited about having the opportunity to connect with him again and uh, getting ready to leave today because I am going, uh, I have to record these as you know a week ahead of time. Uh, I'm going to a deer hunt out of Mason and possibly Brady, Texas to, um, to uh, a friend of my father-in-law's landowner out there. Um, he's got a ranch, uh, about 200 acres, low fence, and uh, he needs some whitetail bucks taken off and some does, maybe shoot a couple of deer. Uh, I don't know. You know, for me, it's not so much about the catching and the killing as much anymore. I just enjoy the outdoor lifestyle, just getting around, drinking a couple of cold ones with your friends. I enjoy um, just, just you know, teaching kids about the outdoors. My son Jackson's nine, and I'm, I'm you know, kind of mentoring him in the in the way of the force of the, of the outdoor lifestyle and um, just really having a good time, really having a lot of fun uh doing this stuff and i love doing this podcast guys this is therapeutic for me to be able to turn on this microphone and and uh, i don't want to say yell or scream in it but uh you know turn on this microphone and talk to you guys about the outdoors and uh, share that message with you and i've got to thank you guys for reaching out to me on facebook man with your questions and your emails as well uh you can find my information you can call me or email me or text me at dustinsprojects.com our fishing game website we have a facebook page of course texas fishing game uh, or you can also contact us through the fishgame.com website and uh, I will get your email if you send something directed towards me or anyone else that is interested in, uh, in contacting us. is an easy way to do that through our Facebook page or through our website. So uh, fishgame.com is going to be the topic of discussion with a lot of the stories that Chester and I are talking about. Him and I work together closely on that. Of course, I saw advertising as well as I'm a writer and an outdoor, um, outdoor writer, uh, videographer, speaker, blogger, and podcaster and i really really have the opportunity to do some great things with texas fishing game it's been a great ride so far three years full-time this month uh, actually next week it'll be three years full-time um when this airs so this has just been a fantastic opportunity to share the outdoors world with you guys and it just means so much to me that you've taken the opportunity to listen uh if you've not done so please give us a five-star rating on itunes kind of a kingpin of the podcasting world uh or you can also rate us on whatever podcast player you listen on there's probably a rating system there definitely is a way for you to like and subscribe on youtube uh stitcher radio iheart radio uh our friends at spotify um we're syndicated all over the dang place these days and i just love doing this stuff you can also download this podcast on podbean.com which is where this podcast originates from that's the host of this podcast that's where the fancy thing on the website the embedded player comes from is uh, is podbean and uh, it of course you know wants you to download their app and everything which is fine if you do that and uh, please subscribe if you've not done so you get a new episode for free every two weeks i love free because i'm kind of a cheapskate um and and something i want to get into before we talk about whitetail hunting uh with Chester. You know, one of the things that's been on my on heart lately, I'm a cheap guy, I guess, when it comes to buying hunts and, and, and buying gear and stuff like that, but there, there's no there's no excuse for poor quality in the industry anymore, uh, especially if you buy stuff overseas or get it stuff that's been made overseas and that kind of stuff, and it doesn't hold up to the lifestyle that you live in the hunting and fishing world. Um, you know, that all being said, I, I always say this about broadheads, and I, you guys know I, I'm sponsored by Grim Reaper and Gold Tip. Um, I always say this about a lot of hunting gear that's terminal gear, as I like to call it, stuff that counts when it works. Uh, like the flashlight I have from Vapor Trail Sense. That's one I talk about the Vapor Trail 33 point buck in the podcast later. Um, you know, that flashlight's a lot, the, the light, the brightest flashlight I own as far as a white flashlight goes, it's head mounted. Um, and, uh, it's incredible. And I mean, it, it it's taking a beating and it just keeps on ticking. It's great. And, um, then, uh, I wanted to especially talk about you bow hunters out there and I give you guys a hard time in this podcast. So please forgive me. I'm a bow hunter too. All right. But Chester and I talked about this and he was basically basically, you know, making the point that some people know it all. And I'm like, well, the bow hunting community is one of those that kind of know it all, but I was just kidding. Um, basically I love you guys all, especially, uh, central Texas bow hunter folks and, uh, bow hunters all over the nation, wherever you're listening. Um, but you know, one of the things that I've, I've often counseled hunters on, uh, 
is getting good gear. I mean, getting good gear that's going to last you for a while, paying for something once that you don't have to, like we talked about on the last podcast, paying for something once that you don't have to pay for over and over again. Um, especially when it comes to bullets, the terminal performance of bullets, uh, and, and, and if you reload or reloading components and that kind of stuff, those need to be high quality. Uh, there's so many different good ones on the, on the market, but you know, your norm ammunition and your Remington core lock and, and all kinds of the different, um, ammunition brands that are fantastic out there, Winchester. And I mean, uh, there's just so many different ammunition brands out there, but, uh, to think of them all, but basically, you know, that all being said, that's where you don't need to scrimp. That's not where you need to save okay save money on um on on a a myriad of other things in your life but spend the money where it counts and that's my whole point for this podcast uh for the the kind of tip of the week i guess if you will is just to um you know to keep in mind that that some expenses can't be avoided when it comes to the hunting and fishing sports especially around hunting uh and and spend the 40 dollars for the pack of three broadheads yeah it sounds like a lot of money but still man something like the grim reaper broadheads you can sit there and rebuild over and over again and shoot you know four deer with the same broadheads Head. Now, I don't suggest you do that with the same blades, but you can get a rebuild kit real easy and do that. Uh, you know, you can obviously reuse your arrows when you're in your bolts, when you're crossbow shooting or compound bow shooting, respectively. And, um, you know, that all being said, you know, keep in mind that no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, um, there comes a moment of truth and your gear has to perform at that moment of truth in the outdoors and you want to be able to count on it when it matters the most. So I wanted to definitely leave you that with some advice because uh, there's, there's a lot of, you know, inexpensive stuff out on the market. I'm not going to say it's cheap, but there's uh, there's a lot of stuff that that's been weeded out over the years. I remember when I first started this, this journey 15 years ago, or however long it's been that I started hunting um, right after I got married, right after I left college, I uh, graduated college. And um, you know, I was just, I was poor, you know, I didn't have any money to speak of to really buy anything. But what I did is start, started slowly, accumulating and buying things as I needed them binoculars and uh and rifle scopes and rifles and all those kind of things that we use for terminal hunting tackle um you know but but make sure that you don't go cheap on the things that matter the most uh, when it counts the most so I definitely wanted to leave you with that before we start our podcast so first a word from our sponsor AccuSharp we can't recommend AccuSharp enough here at Texas Fishing Game everybody has knives but do they know how to sharpen them maintain them good question the accusharp is a preset knife sharpener that does the thinking and the work for you a few strokes is all that it takes for an extremely sharp knife these can be found at academy sports and outdoors and search online for a location next near you i should say uh, accusharp.com or accusharp.com forward slash buy dash now that's accusharp.com forward slash buy dash now for uh learning more about AccuSharp. Awesome, awesome stuff. Now, I've talked about this on this podcast before. I have a AccuSharp that I have used for probably close to 15 years now since I really got into hunting and fishing uh all that all those years ago and uh, my dad gave it to me and uh, I really enjoy that blue and white sharpener. Still use it. It's in my fish cleaning kit that I have for Crosswater Outfitters, my fishing ministry that I do uh, a lot of the the knife sharpening for that particular uh chore of cleaning all those hundreds of fish that we pull in from uh from those ministry events that we do. But I love it. It's great. It's, you know, foolproof way to keep your knives sharp maintain your knives maintain your edge in the field if you will or on the water wherever you are check out AccuSharp again AccuSharp.com or AccuSharp.com forward slash buy dash now and also keep in mind that AccuSharp makes a great stocking stuffer what an idea um, basically uh, these things fit really well on a stocking uh, they can be used for chef's knives parry knives um, serrated knives fillet knives cleavers you name it, anything you use in the kitchen or in the field, AccuSharp can sharpen and do a good job of it, so check out AccuSharp. I will be back after the show as always and uh, give you kind of my final thoughts, and uh, here we go with our, our um, interview with Chester Moore. Hope you enjoy. Join me on the phone, Mr. Chester Moore, Texas Fishing Game Editor-in-Chief. How you doing today, Chester? Man, I'm doing good. I'm actually I'm broadcasting here from the great outdoors, so... Uh always good to talk the outdoors and occasionally get to do it in the outdoors yes yes and i'm in the i'm in the indoors right now recording the show <laughs> on my regular uh pc and microphone like i normally do but um so you and i um are really busy guys there's a lot going on whitetail season of course is in full roar right now with um with uh, the rut and all that other stuff coming and going and um let's talk about whitetail today man 
Well, you know, white-tailed deer are the most important game animal in the entire planet. You can go to some um, very wealthy trophy hunter's home, and he'll have one of each of the Great Plains game. Right. He may even have all of this kind of stuff mounted. However, he probably has an entire room dedicated to the white-tailed deer. So the white-tailed deer, they're just something magnificent about them. Um, of course, for hunters, they are the quest that most hunters in their life go on in the United States of America. People come from overseas to come hunt whitetail here. And, of course, Texas boasts the largest population of whitetail in the nation. That's right. Texas does boast the largest whitetail population in the nation. And the cool thing about it is there's such – I mean, I've got a couple mounted on my wall here in the office. And uh, the cool thing about it, there's such an interesting creature. My dad once told me, you know, if a leaf falls in the wood, you know, a squirrel hears it and a bear smells it. And, you know, I don't know what all the deal is, but a, a whitetail does all three. The whitetail has the best senses out of all the, the animals in the woods for the most part. And I think that's why I've been so successful. I mean, you look at this uh, – I haven't got exact science on this, but as far as large mammals weighing more than 100 pounds, say, uh, I would say the white-tailed deer is probably the most common large animal, wild animal on the planet. Uh, 27, I don't know any other nation that would have 27 million of anything that size or bigger. So, uh, And I think a lot of that has to do with what you said, the incredible senses, you know, the unbelievable smell impeccable hearing better spice than people give them credit for right. it's not like instinct you know so the white tail deer is here because the white tail deer knows how to evade man and other predators absolutely and i mean that's that's definitely a a, a, a factor to their you know to their their quality as far as a hunting animal to go after a quest in the outdoors is something that can smell you can see you can hear you better than just about anything else in the woods is my point and i mean that that's really a an incredible opportunity to uh to, to to take a game animal that you know for me chester it's not it's not even just going out and shooting one it's it's the fact that you can go into you know the 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 battle of wits if you will you know the battle of nature versus and i've talked about this on one of the podcasts i did with um zach bird you know the needle of the doe sends me away from her but my needle sends me towards her you know my internal needle of you know of of instinct if you will sure and they're just um there's something about them you know you think about this you think about a county and i don't know the current stats in the 1990s, there were an estimated 138,000 deer, 138,000 in one county. Wow. And I remember sitting in that county, and in one day, I didn't see a deer, and it was a good piece of property. They just weren't moving. So you think if someone from a perspective of, well, there's so many deer there that it'd be you know, like a canned heart or something like that. No. Those deer are there in large numbers, and I'm sure I want my numerous ones on the way to the stand and back. However, they chose not to show themselves and be wary. Right. And uh, I think that's why White Hill is so successful. Also, why they're so dang fun yeah. to be around, to hunt, to view, to photograph, all of the above, you know? No, absolutely. And I mean, one of the guys that I've had on the podcast before about this time last year, Rex Holmes with Vapor Trail Sense, um, you know, Rex makes the point that even in, as a gun hunter, we don't consider what is scent and that kind of stuff a lot, but he has a product called 33 Point Buck that you spray yourself down with and it's a it's a scent killer, you know, cover scent kind of thing. And he says, you know, we used it in the field at uh, the ranch I work with and uh, they said that because of using that particular spray, um, you know, they were seeing stuff they normally didn't see before because the deer use their nose so much to see if there's any humans around. And we have no idea how sensitive that part of the body is to a deer as, as far as they can smell stuff from hundreds of yards away. I mean, it's just an incredible species. Well, I have a really interesting perspective because I work with and I have been around. You name the kind of animal on the planet. I've probably been around it. Predators, prey everything you know and um you know there are some incredible predators that have noses that are just unbelievable and um and uh, of course canines think about the canine nose and what they do to smell bombs and drugs and everything else you know um so you take the whitetail they're not trained to do anything they're just what god made them to do right. and that is to sniff out food sources to sniff out mates and to sniff out danger you know so being able to have to work around that is really part of this if there's any art to hunting i would say for whitetail hunting really there's one art and that is avoiding being avoiding smell right because if you can get up in a stand 
ninety percent of the time you can avoid being seen. Yes. If you you know, but the smell thing is always a challenge. I mean, yeah. so uh, I think that's probably one of the great arts to the to the white tail thing. Uh, that's a good thing, and I mean, it's amazing what you'll see using a good cover center, using a good you know. Um, uh, you know, scent eliminator that uh, that you'll see stuff you normally would never see. You know, without it, uh, I've seen some guys use a scent eliminator and basically, you know, have hogs. You know, which I think even have more of a sensitive nose than a deer in some cases. Uh, you know, come through and have hogs jump on top of them, they lay on the ground in the woods, and basically have a hog, you know, walk over them. You know, and stuff like that. So it's just amazing how they use that that wit of instinct. You know. So. Yeah, you know the thing about whitetail also is a is a wildlife journalist. You know, is the fact that they're an animal. There's so many facets to that. There's always a story. Yes. You know, it's like there's something always unique. It's something always unusual. And one of the things I like doing is giving people information they probably never read about whitetail. You know, we had a web feature recently. And we did a feature in the mag probably eight years ago on this. We did a web feature recently about subspecies of whitetail deer. I mean, how many people have ever thought about a, a whitetail subspecies? Yeah, right. You, know? you just think of whitetail. Right, you think it's yeah, deer, but, deer, exactly, yeah. But there are, I think, uh, 17 subspecies of whitetail. Uh, and they're all over the nation, from the endangered Virginia whitetail uh, to the endangered Kidu. Um, you have, and then you have the Texas whitetail. That's the one you have in most state. It's the whitetail subspecies most likely encountered by hunters. It's the one of the hill country. It's the one of the deeper South Texas plains right. up in those areas. But it's not the only uh, whitetail subspecies in Texas. As a matter of fact, if you come into my part of the woods in southeast Texas, all the way along the coast toward Matagorda, and then going back into central Louisiana, you have what's called the Avery Island whitetail. Yes. It's a smaller basket-type whitetail that's perfectly uh, in tune for living in the lower part of the thick piney woods, the thick oak uh, mots and chenears across the, 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 the coastal plains. And they are uh, a deer that most people never you know, really thought about, but they are a different deer. And, in t you know, and honestly, a lot of this has been uh, – diluted because of stocking of deer people don't realize deer were stocked for quite a while in texas because oh, wow. yeah we had wiped so many whitetail out in east texas from poaching that you know that there was quite a few whitetail stocked i mean i remember seeing whitetail stocking trailers in the 80s going into um newton county and they would stock whitetails <laughs> the bulk of the whitetails that were being stocked actually came from south texas so you had some genetic tampering there, so to speak, but you definitely, when I go fishing sometimes in particular in some remote areas, like around the Sabine National Wildlife Refuge and see deer, they just look different than the ones I have in South Texas. And I'm not just talking about size and stature. It's just a little bit different coloration, a little bit different. The, the, the racks are more basket-like, you know? Yeah. And um, so it just it's just cool to think about. You have, you know, different kinds of whitetail someone where someone who wants to do hunting quest all the time you could literally do a whitetail slam in texas yeah because we, we have what four subspecies here is that what you said earlier yeah so you got you have um you know the texas whitetail you have the uh, avery island whitetail and you have the kansas whitetail which is done up around north texas the panhandle goes up through oklahoma and kansas and um that can be a really big deer. A lot of people don't realize this. there's two parts of the state that the bulk of the landowners are the government or owned by, you know, just huge ranches that people don't have like a lease access right. to hardly. And that's the Panhandle and Trans-Pecos. And the Panhandle has some monster deer. But they're you know, they're not like, you know, Johnny Lunchbucket shooting one on a on a pine plantation <laughs> club here in East Texas. <laughs> you know, somebody yeah. who knows somebody or paid some coin to go do it so you don't hear as much but some of those deer up in that part of the world are just monsters right you know and that's because of the genetics of them that's and, and you know and the nutrition as well but people don't think about you know there is there is a kansas whitetail but my favorite texas subspecies is a rare one and one that we actually have a game camera photo if you go to fishgame.com uh type in whitetail subspecies in the search engine or pop in 
uh, Carmen Mountain Whitetail. Okay. And you'll see, you'll see this really cool story. And that is one of our readers hunts across the border in Mexico on the Carmen Mountains there, just across, I'm literally a few miles across the border. And he got game camera photos of the Carmen Mountain Whitetail. The Carmen Mountain Whitetail is the second smallest subspecies of whitetail in America. The smallest is the key deer that lives totally in the Florida Keys. Uh-huh. A, a federally endangered species with only about 900 specimens left on the planet. And oh, I've actually nice. got to... I mean, I would love, I don't know, I got to figure out what those guys are going to shed the rent. Because I really wanted to go this year and photograph those those little deer. They're so beautiful. And they're really cool. And you see this, you know, 50 pound buck with a nice eight point rack run up. You're like, that's crazy, you know? Yeah. Sure. But we have a smaller whitetail like that in Texas, and that's the Carmen Mountains whitetail. And that lives out toward the Big Bend area, essentially, in some of those um, smaller mountain ranges out there. Okay. No, that's good. And I mean, the one thing I, I, I brought this up, and I know we're talking about whitetail, but somebody asked the other question on one of the forums I follow on Facebook, on one of the hunting forums, or the hunting groups, and basically he said, why, you asked this question, why are there no high fence ranches for mule deer, now that we're talking about West Texas? Um, yeah. And, and I think the best answer I got is they don't do well as well as whitetail do in breeding pens. I think that's the main reason that, why they're not prolific. You know, that's interesting. I have had very very limited information um, yeah uh encounters with muleys uh i have had more encounters with blacktail which are essentially a mule deer they're very close to mule deer right matter of fact in california the way they look at it is if it's uh it's west i think of i-5 it's a blacktail if it's east it's a muley you okay. know okay. i think that's kind of the way wow. they do it over there but I have encountered some mule deer, and the thing about them is there's so much more of a goofy animal. Right. You know, like, I remember watching, like, sports television or one of these shows, ABC Wild World Sports. And that's when I was a little kid that was looking like whack everything, right? You know, right. To come out. And I saw this, you know, I've always thought mule deer were incredible. I just thought they were just beautiful, you know? And here's this majestic, huge, like, 24-inch rack, wide, big, thick winter coat muley. And he sees the hunter, and he hops off like a rabbit. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting to watch for sure. Yeah. I'm like, that's embarrassing, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, your big white tail take off in a sprint. You know, he here punk him out on the run in a run. He's boing 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 boing. <laughs> Took a little of the majesty away from the mule deer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you watch them on the hunting shows and stuff when they run. They're like black bucks. They prance. You know. Yeah, it's it's, it's a little bit. It's a little bit too. You know, fox hunter fox, thing. Yeah. You know, regal. <laughs> The little dapper gloves on, and we got to go fox hunting today. You know, that kind of <laughs> I love it. Too much for me personally, but they are um, not as hard even animal in general. If you look at trends in population with muleys around the nation, right? You know, there is a drop in mule deer population. Of course, they're blaming they're blaming the recovery of wolves. They're blaming mountain lions, hunter harvest, uh, white tail incursion in some areas. Uh, it's probably a little bit of all of the above. Muleys just don't respond as well. It's whitetail, so that's an interesting take on why they aren't. Because I know there'd be big money if someone had them behind a high fence. I understand there are some in the high fence. They just aren't advertised as much because they're still breeding them and stuff. But I mean, yeah, that I know that I know that it's done because people have high fences all over Texas. But I mean, it's just not done as well or as as prolifically, I guess I should say, as whitetail are all over the state. Well, somebody asked me almost a similar question: How come nobody has a moose? Right. Uh, oh, I saw. Uh, I, I saw that. I saw that question on. Uh, was it our Facebook page? Somebody asked that. Yeah, my, yeah. everybody has moose, and I'm like, um, well, I don't really know why, but I've never even seen a moose in a zoo. Right. That's, it's because you know, it's because of our climate is the best answer I got to that question because somebody asked that in another in another Facebook uh, group that I was in actually with the same thread of the of the mule deer, right? And, yeah, uh, but here's the interesting yeah. thing: there's people in San Antonio with reindeer. That's a good point, caribou. And yeah. I'm working on getting reindeer for the Kingdom Zoo Wildlife Center for next year. I'm hoping I get reindeer. I've heard the uh, reindeer and the caribou are the same thing. Is that true? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, that's what yes. I figured. I just want to make sure and, I had my um, own ducks in a row. <laughs> but, you know, we're getting off topic here. Don't I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Talk about reindeer. Uh, <laughs> here we go, derailing the train. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jasper. Yeah, it's cool. good. It's your show. This funny. Like I love this because you get on, you get on the best of the outdoors podcast, and he's gonna be asking the hard questions. Like, yeah, um, what about what about? I'm not an expert on and uh, caribou, but um, 
and how many subspecies. But I know that certain varieties have been kind of domesticated for a long, long time, obviously. You know, it's all in the deer's kind of deer four legged animal big game category, I guess. You know, so anyway. Yeah, I got you. It's all, it's all good. And they all taste good. If her caribou's great. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, back to whitetail. Sorry. Back to the whitetail. But, uh, you know, whitetail is interesting in Texas. If you look at population trends in the late 90s, we were up to around 4.5 million whitetail in Texas. Goodness. Now now we're in that 3.5, 3.75 million range. Um, you know, one thing that no one ever talks about is the fact the population is going to have to drop because of development. Right. Uh, you can't have all the people moving into the most deer rich part of the state without it causing impact on the deer. And that is in the, in the hill country, you know? Right. And so, um, it, it, it has caused some certain population drops in certain areas and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, I don't think we'll ever see whitetail deer in danger, but I could, I could foresee the day when Texas only has 2 million whitetails, you know, you know, it's, uh, um, yeah. you know, they're, they're it's just going to have to happen at some point because of, you know, the growing demand of, of man. Right. But the whitetail will always be the number one game animal on the planet, you know. And uh, it's, it's funny because it wasn't always that way. I mean, small game hunting up until probably the 60s was much bigger around the nation. Um, I dare you to find a, de- a dedicated squirrel hunter these days. Yep. I mean, there's, there's very few, or a rabbit hunter for that matter. I grew up rabbit hunting, you know. Um, and, uh, I never liked squirrels. I killed a squirrel and I ate it. I didn't like it that much. Mm-hmm. It was like eating leather. Uh, <laughs> the, I shot one chicken. of those big, like, mutant-sized <laughs> fox squirrels, so it was like one of those, like, one of those ones that would, like, fight off a grizzly, those huge yep. ones. Yep. And, um, but rabbit, man, you know, but, you know, going back to what happened, that transition from small game to whitetail, I think it was when the whitetail population started getting bigger. And people started noticing these animals, and it became this thing, kind of a naturally growing thing. And one of the things I, I find interesting are anomalies in the white-tailed deer population. You know, if you go around a hunting camp, people are going to, you know, they're not going to talk about scent control too long, you know, because most people are going to spray the stuff on them or they're not. But they're going to talk about weird stuff they saw in the field. And one of the weirdest encounters, and I've been on this story for three years now heavily, is dwarf whitetails. Okay. My uncle Jackie Moore, the late Jackie Moore, uh, told me many years ago about seeing a buck on a lease in San Saba County um, in the 70s that was a fully developed eight-pointer, but it was only like maybe 40, 50 pounds. Goodness. And it was fully developed. I mean, it was, you know, uh, you couldn't tell a dwarf doe because you'd think it was a yearling doe or fawn. Right, right, sure. But but, uh, he said it was fully developed. He saw it several times. So and I wish he'd shot it, you know, and got it mounted or, or had proof, you know, how cool is that? that was way before the era of like, you know, iPhones with HD video on right. your phone, you know, sure. Oh, you barely had Polaroids back then. <laughs> and true. so my uncle passed away a few years back and I was talking to my dad, his brother about it before my dad passed. He said, Oh, I saw, I, I was on the same lease and I saw him too. <laughs> my dad saw him a couple of times crossing roads. There was a population, a few at least of these smaller, whitetails and they were you know i was like wow how cool yeah so i put i put a blog out at the wildlife journalist my blog and i got a guy from michigan send me a picture and their deer are like you know gigantic up there compared to ours but there's someone a skinning rack there's a fully developed buck and it's probably one half the size of the rest of the deer on the rack like a miniature deer like a mini me deer in a way huh a mini me deer okay, so we did, I, did, I, did, I said you know what there's no better audience to bring this to to the audience of texas fishing games sure. so i wrote an article for texas fishing game fishgame.com i wrote a very expanded article about different accounts i was looking up and things like that and some scientific studies on it and i got a photo a guy sent a photo he was actually a reader from alabama and there's a deer you know anything in a picture in the foreground will automatically appear way bigger than what's in the background as far as proportion you sure, know sure you might have a cow 20 yards in the background, but if you have a big whitetail in the foreground, the whitetail is going to look bigger. It's going to look right? huge. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a doe behind this one, decent ways, and the doe dwarfs this little buck, a little four-point buck. Uh, and it was, you know, straight off a guy's game camera. I, I, and I'm not an expert on photo analysis, but I do a lot of Photoshop work myself. Sure. You know, editing photos and things like that. And I looked at it, and there's nothing tampered with in the photo. It's a little bitty buck. And then I had other people telling me, that their 
they've seen these things or, or whatever. So if any of you out there in the listening audience have a photo of, um, have come across a video, an account, uh, you can email me. And here's the easiest email to remember. It's chester at chestermore.com. Chester at chestermore.com. And um, I will be glad to uh, discuss this with you because we're going to do more on this after the deer season. I'm kind of waiting to see what happens out here. Hopefully this broadcast here in this growing podcast best to the outdoors to get the word out. But, I mean, that's interesting stuff. I would love to see that because I've seen key deer, but they're supposed to be tiny. Right, they're supposed to be small, sure, right. You know, so I think that's just an interesting and fascinating uh, fact out there that people are at some level seeing some of these micro whitetails. That's right. That's the other word that you call a dwarf deer is a micro whitetail. You've done that in your in your uh, articles before, right? Yeah, micro, micro deer, micro love, and, and, and this stuff's out there. And what I like about talking about this kind of stuff is it breeds an appreciation for the outdoors more because you realize you ain't got it all figured out. Right. You know? And a lot You're of like, Texas wow. hunters think they have got it figured out, especially bow hunters. That's another story. A lot of people think, you know, I know it all, and I don't know. I know a lot. I sure don't know at all. I'm only surprised out there in the outdoors, you know? Right. So, and I'm uh, a bow hunter, so I can say I'm one of those people, so I'm not going to try to alienate anybody. I'm just saying, you know, that group of people likes the, you know, yeah. So, anyway. Well, I'll tell you what. It's an interesting topic. The other thing is ghost deer. Yes. Written about at fishgame.com, the Texas fishing game. Ghost deer, essentially, people seeing white deer. And, you know, the first thing you go to in Texas is, of course, it's a fallow deer. Because there are so many fallow deer on ranches and free ranching as well, right. uh, people think it could be a white—I mean, just a white fallow doe. Somebody saw a young buck, they mistaken, they saw in the distance or something like that. Um, but there are white deer that are not um, fallow deer, and there 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 are white tails out there. People see that are white. We've had a couple of photos of ones that were killed, and they weren't albino; they were right. white, called leucistic. Um, when I was a kid, I just found this scrapbook piece the other day. And my dad and I talked about my scrapbook a lot, but I'd sit in his lap and we would make scrapbooks of all the animals we want to go hunt, all the animals I want to go see and photograph around the world. I mean, I would take zoo books and cut pictures out. I had a hunting one where I had all kind of cool I had a fishing one, and I had a Bigfoot one. I had all kind of crazy stuff, right? Well, I found a little piece of the one where I had a picture of a white whitetail at the Seneca Army Depot in, in outside of Auburn, New York. Huh. Ended up becoming friends with a guy out of Auburn, New York in 2002. His name was Lou Marillo, our bow hunting editor, right. our hunting editor. And Lou, who hunts a lot here in Texas, took me to the Army Depot the first time, and I got to see their white whitetail. It's funny because I asked him, you ever seen it outside the fence? Because it's a high-fenced um, Army place, you know? Yes, correct. He said, no. Nah. about that time, one ran across the road. We saw two outside the fence. Amazing. <laughs> right when you asked that question, right? <laughs> Literally, like 10 seconds later, it was amazing. And then we saw some of the depot. And, um, but there are albino whitetails as well. Then there are piebald, which is like a partial albinism, also called a calico. Calico, yeah. Um, I was just going to say that, yep. Saw a calico on the Greenwood Valley Ranch in Edwards County. I think it's Edwards or Rial. We're on the border of Edwards and Rial. In 1992, and me and Lisa, were, my dad, were hunting all dad on that ranch with a guy named Richard Reynolds wow. hunting for Thompson Temple. And it was an unbelievable ranch, and they had thousands of access on it. And there was some white tail that ran, got spooked when our truck drove by. They ran up a hill <clears throat> about 150 yards away, and we were glassing them. said, something's different in there, and it was a piebald white tail. Pretty Goodness. sure it was a doe that time of year. It could have been a buck. Right. You know, it had you know, grown back yet. Sure, I'm not right. to see, but uh, it was a piebald, and that's the only one I've ever seen. I had some like Orange County here where I'm sitting in the woods right now, Orange County, uh, literally. And uh, somebody from Orange County in the northern part of the county sent me a piebald doe. They got on their game camera, and that was pretty fascinating. That is, you know, to see something like that because it's such a rarity. Part of it's because it's harder for some of that stuff to survive in the wild. Other parts, it's just not normal in the genes to produce that, you know? Sure. So It's kind of an anomaly, wild, I guess. Is, a, is that the right way to say yeah, it? Yeah, definitely an anomaly. An anomaly probably okay. the anomaly that's got caught the most attention from our reader base right. has been black whitetails. Mm-hmm. I've seen that too, yep. <clears throat> We've been getting photos of, when I put the word out, of melodistic black whitetails. A guy named Charlie Hennigan sent me one near Lampasas. Uh and it was uh, a doe, and it was definitely not a fallow, chocolate fallow. It was a black, white-tailed doe. 
That's my it's neck of the woods. I mean, that's right up the road from me, maybe an hour north. Uh, well, from what's where interesting is in 26 years, since I was 19 years old, doing wildlife journalism, almost every single instance of a black white tail, a photo I've seen, or anything, even archival magazine stuff I would look at and study when I first got into this, I had tons of magazines I had kept, were at, within an hour of Austin. Okay, wow. And so I thought that was it. Now, some of the high fence ranches are uh, purposely breeding some of these anomalies. Interesting. Uh, which is fine, but it's not the same as, you know, if somebody accidentally, you know, comes across an albino whitetail buck. But right. they're out there on high fence ranches as well. So, uh, but just some just some aspects of whitetail you never think of, you know. Well, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I understand since I deal in exotics a lot, as you know, Chester. I mean, I, I understand a, a chocolate fallow or a white fallow being mistaken, but those antlers are completely different. I mean, they still shed just like a regular deer antler, whitetail deer <laughs> antlers do. But I mean, it, you can usually tell unless they're shed. You can usually tell the difference between a fallow and a and a, and a whitetail. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, it's interesting. We're outdoors, all these stuff, five, six kills. Yeah, I called the other night. And I said, this one, uh, you know, any weird encounters you've had in the outdoors? A lady tells me it's being past. She saw a deer, quote unquote, that looked like a baby moose crossing the road. Holy smokes, really? And I'm like, <clears throat> and, I, and it was interesting. So I said, this is where it, you know, this is where it pays to be trained in what you do. Yes. And, and you know, so I'm a baby moose. I'm like, well, I know for a fact there are no moose on any right. ranches in Texas. Um, but in Sabine Pass on the Louisiana side, for a couple of years, there was a population of elk okay. around Lighthouse Cove. Someone had put out there. I saw myself. There was a problem because Texas um, Wildlife didn't like them. They would swim the channel across over in Texas. They were worried about CWD. I see. So they... Anyway, I'm pretty sure what she saw was an elk. And then I had callers call in who saw these elk themselves. And one guy was in a 14-foot Boston whaler boat in Lighthouse Cove and had one get in his boat. <laughs> and she wouldn't leave. That's I'm great. like, wow, I said, I'm jealous. Why can't I be the guy with the elk in the boat? <laughs> that happens to you, exactly. Dude, I mean, yeah. Come on, that's like my dream thing. Like, be super. I would totally jump on Facebook. Like, hey, this is just for more here. <laughs> and we have an interview with you. You've always wanted elk hunter. Interview with an elk. Oh my god. Interview gosh. with an elk in the boat. Kind of like that interview with the bass we did at ICAST back in uh, the summer. So I'm we... a trailblazer, baby. I'm That's right, man. Chester Moore, the trailblazer. That's right. Deep in tapping to the mind of the, <laughs> of the white tail, tapping to the mind of the largemouth bass. <laughs> I love it's it. Fun. It's fun stuff, though. This but, is fun you know, stuff. One, one thing I got I to gotta celebrate about your program is I always laugh and I always have a lot of fun on here. And that's what this is all about. I think, we're, you know, we're too, let me just say it, we're too damn rigid. Sure. Uh, we're serious. Uh, out, out there. We're too, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very, if you know me, I'm a very serious guy. But, I man, I like to laugh and have a good time. And sure. If you can't, if you, if you just go hunting or fishing so you can be like, well, I'm the coolest guy at the water cooler at work or, you know, I'm going to one-up those guys. You know, quit. Right. You know, do something else, you know, take up badminton or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, this is fun stuff. If you can have fun with a, with a cow elk in your boat or talking about melanistic whitetails, I mean, this is – or going hunting. There's something wrong with you. So this is fun stuff. And, you know, at the end of the year here with, you know, uh, Christmas coming up and a lot of people reflecting on life and family, just reflect on the fun this is. And, and tell yourself next year you're going to have a whole lot more fun in the outdoors because it is a fun place to be. It is. I mean, that's the one thing I've always appreciated about you is you're more about the experience than it is about the gear or the product like I sometimes am and that kind of stuff. I mean, you're more about the, the whole the whole kit and caboodle of the experience, and that's what I've always appreciated about you, Jester. Well, thanks, man. And I love the gear. Nothing wrong. We all, we're all wired differently, you know? Thank yeah, sure. God. Sure, exactly. We, we left up to people like me to invent technology. We'd be back at the, we'd be back at the, the wheel, man. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the fire. I think it's still more like the experience of warming my hands over the fire. That's right. Oh, you know, some people say that I'm easily amused, and I guess I am. But I mean, it's just stuff like this that really gets me. Like for instance, I'll give you an example. Back to back to whitetail, a piebald. I've got three calico cats. Okay, they're all female. And the reason why they're all females is because they have an extra X chromosome on their chromosome panel. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so XXY instead of XY, I think it is, or XX or whatever the case may be. But anyway, uh, they're all uh, either your your calico is born female or they're born as a sterile male in the cat world. See, that's interesting right there. So, yeah, that is. So there's an extra chromosome. And we just have a love for tortoiseshell and calico, dilute calico cats. So that's why we have them. But it's interesting. I wonder if the same is true for deer. It could be. And it could be that that in the wild, for some reason, those chromosomes are hard to make happen. Yeah, you know? that's why they're so rare, right? That's why the piebald yeah. deer are so rare. I, I just this is just stuff I think about. That's all. No, that's great stuff. You know, uh, I was looking the other day. I was googling albino hogs. Yes. Uh, and I saw someone who killed one actually. Uh, um, and I was thinking, you know, that all that stuff's out there. You know, it's just a matter of you know, when, like I saw the albino pink dolphin. Incredible stuff. But um, we're getting back to just being the whole white tail experience. Um, there's a lot more than just you know, getting a whitetail and going hunting. But there's this whole world of the deer out there that's so amazing. You know? The biology of it all and just the wildlife experience that you bring to the table with the, with your writing and video and radio work really, you know, encompasses the 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 passion that, that we have as outdoorsmen. I don't think we celebrate it enough is what I think you're saying as far as, you know, having fun. Yeah, we got to, man, because this is fun stuff. And our, one of our owners, Artie and Eves, and I had a conversation yesterday because I have a really goofy voicemail. Uh, and I said, I'm going to change it to, there, this is Chester Moore, and I'm out here in the field trying to photograph the elusive Rudolph the Red Nose Ranger. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm going to do that today, actually. I can't wait to listen to it. That's going to be great. And, uh, you know, if you can't have fun, she said, you know, she's wise. She said, you know, we need to have more fun in this industry. And I, yeah. and I agree, you know, we do. And, uh, it translates to kids. There's nothing worse than, you know, a bunch of stiff guys trying to get a young kid who's into electronic devices into hunting or fishing. Right. When they can't even have fun, you know, they're yeah. like, they're just like, you know, all stiff necked, you know? And I'm like, man, that's, that's, that's really lame. You gotta have fun. And most people do, you know? Uh, most people have a great time out here, and uh, you know, my dad was a my dad was a combination of uh, really fun in the outdoors, and really getting angry easily because I was dragging my feet or I right. was you know making too much noise because he had such a passion for it, you know. But I can look back and laugh at that stuff because we all we all had a we all had a great time out there. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's outdoors is about family. It's about kids. It's about the next generation. It's about so much more than just going. And I'd say this on the show all the time, uh, whether I have you on or not, Jester, I know I've had you on a lot lately. You know, I, it's, it's more than catching and killing. It really is. It's, it's about the outdoor <laughs> lifestyle, about the experience. I've not killed a deer this year yet. I'm going this weekend, but, um, you know, for me to go hang out with my buddy, Danny Barry at DB wall game processing and taxidermy and go, you know, just take in deer and see a, a red stag that they brought in and risk see a field dress, a red deer high, my cleanest field dressing to date, by the way. Uh, on a gambrel, on a gambrel, yes, uh, on a, a gambrel uh, 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 with a winch, um, a, a red deer, a red deer hind, a red deer doe, or a cow, um, and uh, that's a clean, no nicking guts, no nicking pee bags, no nicking anything like that. Field dress clean as a surgeon. So I'm so well, that's happy. cool because my field dressing in the past from surgeon-like precision to leather face with the Texas chain. <laughs> leather face? Oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? It's bad. It'd be really good or it's, like, horrible, you know? Right. There's there's not a lot of in-between there, I guess. So. No, no, no. Yeah. Not with yeah, me. There's funny. no in-between with me anyway. That's funny. But, uh, yeah. but you know, the whitetail thing's uh, worth celebrating. It, uh, yes. It's an incredible animal. That's the and, point here. Uh, yep. and we just had this series we did that you put together, and – um one of the articles in that web series was about mule deer whitetail hybrids. Yes, and if people want to check that out, the Norman Ammunition, just search for Norman Ammunition on our website at fishgame.com and um, tell us some more about that article. Well, what I liked about that whole thing was I'd heard about mule deer whitetail hybrids when I was a kid. And, yes. Um, they used to be, a, like in the old Parks and Wildlife, the outdoor annual you get, they used to be like an identification thing. Really? Like, yeah, years ago, man. Maybe it was one year, but it was in there years ago. Uh and they're out there in like Crockett County, um, some of the places where mule deer just start popping up, and yeah. those whitetail will plug into those places. And what they found is that there is a decent amount of hybridization in some of those areas. And really? uh, yeah, a decent amount of hybrid between whitetail and muleys. And then I've heard of places where the whitetail just run the muleys out, just, you know, a little hop and dapper little guys out there, and here comes a big stud. He's like, get out of here, punk. Right. You know? Right. Uh, give me your toes and leave, you know? Uh, 
pretty much how that goes. But the literally, there is some hybridization out macho there. Macho deer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. The macho, macho deer. deer. Yeah. But there is some hybridization of uh, of white-tailed and mule deer, mule deer here in Texas. Can Weechester send out a thing on Facebook to see if anybody has pictures of dead or alive ones, game cam picks or, or Dude, that's picks? a great idea. Because um, I'd love to see what, one. I, I would love no, to see one. You know one. what? We need to expand that. I'll, I'll send Cindy, our, um, our, our uh, social media manager, over a message today. And I'll ask, hey, has anyone seen, or anybody listening to this Best of the Outdoors podcast with Dustin Warnke, has anyone ever seen or think they've seen a hybrid mule deer whitetail? Or anyone you have a question of, post a photo, post a video, dead or alive. Uh, we want information because that's something really great to explore. That's a great idea. Because yeah. I, I think they, they look similar to, I don't know what they look like, but I think their horns, some of them would have more forks in them, right? Because the mule deer forks more, you know, more of his horns are forked. So I guess the end of profile. Is what? Is what? Uh, forked. The horns would be Ant- more forked. No, antlers. Oh, I'm sorry. Not horns. <laughs> Jeez, sorry, I'm bad. This is kind of like the time on your podcast I call the blackback antelope a deer. That's okay, man. Anyway. You're so jacked up with the exotics. They all have horns. Except you know, the but I had to get you on my horns. Horns. That's horns. just that's just the way we relate to them. Period. I no. mean, I know antler shed and horns don't. So because yeah. even the most articulate of us in Texas has a redneck gene. So well, yeah, that's right. I've I've got mine. I'm a little bit of country, a little bit of rock and roll. And I and I once said, you know, I don't think I have any. And then I had a Jeff Foxworthy moment. My whole uh, legitimate Jeff Foxworthy, you might be a redneck moment happened in my home. One that if he were to employ this in his act and rejuvenate his career sure. on the redneck jokes, uh, if you've ever been charged by a wild boar in your own home, you might be a in redneck. your own home. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it happened. It happened. Legit happened. Oh my goodness! So this guy comes over or calls me and he says, "I have a a, a little pig. It's a wild boar. Um, I killed the mom and the baby was there with it. Do you want it?" I said, "Man, I really don't want it, but..." I have a uh, a lady who could take it. She wanted it, so I brought it to the house, and um, it was a beautiful. It was a you know, it looked like a wild boar head. It was the brown and black stripes. Okay, you know? sure. And um, it was probably probably legit. It probably just got off mom. Was still hanging out with her, as far as not nursing. Right. And it had like a little like half inch tusk, almost an inch tusk going on already. And I named him Big Noise because that's what he made. Big Noise. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, I know I'm, I'm keeping for a week just to do some photography. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just do some photography. I'm going to keep him for a week, you know, because you don't get a chance to photograph those little guys like that very much, you know? Right. And I filmed a video segment with him and stuff like that. And so my house at that point had one long, like you could sit in the, in the one end of the house and look down the hallway to the other. Right. And I had him just let him run around a second and I, and I, and I had shorts on. And I look up, and he's running. I mean, it was almost like he was pawing the ground like one of those bulls in the cartoons. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Toro, he ran Toro. full blast. And he's, going, he's going crazy. What the heck's going on? Sure. And he ran by me and hooked me and cut my leg. Oh, no, with his tusk, with his little half-inch tusk. So if you have been charged <laughs> by, by a wild, wild boar in your own home, you might be a redneck. <laughs> I love it. That's great. It's legit. <laughs> that is legit. Now the um, wild boar weighed, you know, eight pounds. Right. <laughs> if people think of a three hundred pounder, you know, charging you in your own home, but no, that's no, that's baby, still a I've good been story. Charged by an eight pounder. Until you've been charged by an eight pounder, you can't talk anything. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? that's well, right. it's like with deer. I mean, you know, one of the things we're talking about all this stuff with deer is people don't realize deer kill more people in America than bears. Really? Okay. This yeah. is this is yeah. news to me. Yeah, generally, I mean, it's hard to get hard data because this isn't federally kept information. Okay, I see. Uh, but from the well, I've been able to knock out, there are more deer-related fatalities in America than there are um, those from bears. Interesting. Okay, and yeah. that's simply because the deer charge after a human because they feel threatened, or why is you that? Have, you have people that jack with bucks in a row. Okay, right, right. You know, there was a guy here in Orange County years ago that got killed by one. Um, he, he had, he had a deer behind his high fence and it killed us like 25 years ago. Oh my gosh. Uh, it just killed, he, he was with it all the time, but I'm, I, I'm, I've been to these places and photographed deer in these settings and I am more cautious around those deer than I'm cautious of would be if I'm in an enclosure with a mill. Right. You know, uh, and there are, there's road kills. You got to figure out the people that die in car, 
collisions with deer. Yes, of course. Um, yep. You know, but there's, I mean, it's a, you know, I'm working on, a, this is kind of me telegraphing an article I'm working on on this. But okay. I, I think I'm going to be able to prove that even attacks, there are more fatal deer attacks on people than bear attacks every year. Goodness. What a, what a, wow. This is another whitetail mystery, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Well, the thing that is, the thing that is there are 27 billion whitetail. I'm also going to mule deer, too, as well, and elk. Right. Right. My, if I'm leaving out moose, uh, moose is a whole other level of animal. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. You know, moose will attack you because it's big and wants to, you know, hey, I'm going to come over here and smack you upside the head because I want to. Yeah, kind of uh, like a bison, I guess, in a lot of ways. Yeah, but on whitetail and mule deer, I'm going to look real intent. I'm looking really intently at that. So the, you can look for that probably. And we have our uh, bi weekly or, uh, or twice a monthly. Um, email newsletter the white till national too. yeah absolutely white till national and it goes out on fridays every other friday you will get that probably the first friday in february so uh one of the ones i'm working on for the white till national we're excited about that because it's interesting data you know and tell people how frequent that is right now it's every other week and then starting in uh february it's going to run um every month right yeah that'll be we'll be once a month uh after uh january <laughs> and then it'll pick back up in september to be every other week Right. So. Shame on me for not mentioning that. I'm always promoting our other newsletters, which you do a fantastic job writing for, Chester. Um, so I'm always promoting those as far as the um, the ideas of, of, you know, the three three times a week free newsletters that we have, you know. so. Well, I want everyone out there to know that we, and Dustin's a big part of this editorially as well, put a lot of effort into giving you stuff you're probably not going to read anywhere else. Right. That's our main uh, goal, too. There's a lot of quality writing out there. Yes. A lot of quality things, but we're trying to give you stuff that you're not going to see anywhere else. That's that's really our goal. Um, and it, part of it's business purpose. You don't want to come back and read our stuff if you're not going to see it somewhere else. Right. But another part is the integrity of it. We want to give you information that is going to help you understand nature better and help you be more successful in the field. And, right. um, you know, so uh, we want we don't want you to get whacked by a. You know, whitetail and say Chester didn't. And Chester, Chester didn't tell me about that. Nobody warned me. <laughs> oh my Nobody gosh. warned me. Nobody warned possible. me that. Yeah. No, that's yeah, good. So. Well, and that's the thing, man. I mean, it just I, the thing I really appreciate about having you on the show is that I learn something every time we get together, whether it's in person or um, we do a podcast together, or we're just we're just you know talking on the phone. It is just something that you've got such a wealth of knowledge, but you're not cocky about it. It's what I'm trying to say, you know. I hope not, man. I really, I really hope not. Because you're there to educate and help us have the best of the outdoors. This is something that I always try to say. I do the, in this show is just try to help educate people, you know, in the podcast world for sure. Well, you do a great job of it on your podcast, and you have your own voice sure. on this on this podcast. You. you know what I mean? Uh, I can tell it's a Dustin Warnke product. You know, right? Uh, it's something that is uh, unique, and it has your voice. You're a guy who's you know for the average for the average guy. I mean, yeah. You're city deer hunting. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that uh, that I, I come to expect from you, and sure. um, it's it's good stuff. You know? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So, anything else to add? I know I've had you on for a while, Chester. I don't know, man. If you have any uh, backstrap, especially fresh backstrap, <laughs> you can mail them to uh, Chester Moore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Fresh backstrap, never frozen. That would be great. Ideal for all of us. Um, I will take freshly frozen as well. Um, uh, pack it with some dry ice. Right. Send it over to me, and we will enjoy it in the some, household. Some Arctic ice, buddy. Some Arctic ice. Not Arctic ice, ice, exactly. Yeah. And I think Arctic. the better thing, actually, if you really, if you really – Really think about it. the better thing we could do is if all access deer meat content should go. This that way for would sure. be great, dude. What a better! <laughs> I just had a hunter that I set up on a on a hunt. He took a red deer hind and a, a doe or a, a cow, um, and uh, and an axis uh, three year old axis deer that was that had messed up antlers yesterday at the ranch I work with. And you know he was he was just like man. I, I tried to sell him the red deer thing only, and he said I want an axis. And I'm like okay. And he said the meat is just unbeatable. And I was like you're not lying there, but. I mean, that's really good meat. So, although red deer is really good too. Red deer is too. That's what I was trying to convince him is just <laughs> yeah, to take the red great. deer. My run, dad but... shot a red deer, and it was like we really enjoyed that. Yeah, I've got one uh, hanging on my wall here. Um, dig but, it, man! Yeah. Gotta love the red deer, man. What a what a beautiful. I love hearing those things bugle and do their thing. It's more like roar. a roar. Almost. Yeah, it's a roar. That's what they call it in New Zealand. It's a roar, and that's what they. Yeah. Do. The first time cool I was thing. talking to the New Zealand podcast, the first time I heard one roar, it was not. It was, a, it was like before daybreak, and I'm sitting uh -huh. in a blind with a guy that I'm guiding 
starting and I'm like, I thought that the apocalypse was getting ready to happen. I had no idea <laughs> what that sound was, Chester. I was like, holy crap, what is that noise? You know, I thought it was like a dog or I, I mean, I didn't know what it Dude, was. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because this is a great way to end the, we could segue into our next appearance in February or March or something. <laughs> right. What was that sound? But I, in 1996, and my friend Thompson Temple, he had a, a ranch called the High Hatch at that point. He had some scimitar hunt orikes that I had saved up enough credits of booking hunters. And, yep. Uh, all that I would book hunters for him and, and guide fees to go get a scimitar horned or right. So I want to kill it with a bow though. That was my goal. Kill it with sure, a bow. Sure. And so here I go, scimitar horned or right hunt. And my, my dad and I went, uh, and built this thing. We built a, uh, cause I'd seen how people would approach pronghorn with decoys, like getting behind the decoy. Yes, yes, exactly. So we took, um, like a foam insulation and created a scimitar horned or right. And I got out in a foggy morning, and I'm and I'm going out. There's some orikes probably far as I could see was about 50 yards. I could see one kind of disappear into the fog, and there's a ravine. I said, they're going toward that ravine. So it didn't win me. The wind's in my face, you know. Where I said this might work, and I get out in the fog, and I hear this freaking roar coming at me, and I'm going, my God, what is that? <laughs> you know, and I look up, and it's a it's a big stag. <laughs> And the stag didn't like the decoy. <laughs> it was not happy. What so the decoy went to the back of the truck. And um, uh, we, we did no longer use the decoy because I didn't want to be a casualty. of a, <laughs> I didn't want to be the first loss of a red stag attack in exactly. Texas. Exactly, you know yeah. I mean? yeah, that wouldn't be good. Well, oh, dude, I appreciate you having me on the show, man. I really do. Thank yeah, you for the time to be on the show. Time. It's a great, it's a great podcast, and I appreciate what oh, you do. Thanks, man. And you've got a great radio show. Tell people where to find you as far as your website, Wildlife Journalist, and um, and KLVI, and all that other stuff, Chester. Well, always fishgame.com, Texas Fish and Game, uh, thewildlifejournalist.com. That's thewildlifejournalist.com. And on Fridays, News Talk 560 KLVI, AM 560, and also uh, the iHeart Media app. Look for more outdoors. been going 19 years, about 23 in January. So we're really excited oh, about 20 that. years in January. Well, also, the other thing I like about your show is I always pick it up on iHeart Radio's app um, on the, um, after I do the, uh, after you actually do the show, I pick them up like on the week. Weekends. Um, yeah. And so that it's nice that they published there. The show that you and I did together on there never published because it was done live and, and it was done off location. But um, it's really cool to pick up your show, you know, as I'm doing my thing during the day and just just pick it off off, off the iHeartRadio app because they put the podcast ready to go. So, yep, lots of show. fun. Yeah. And uh, a lot of good things going on out there. So we expect a lot from fishgame.com and always. No, you guys, when you listen to Best of the Outdoors podcast, you listen to the Best of the Outdoors podcast out there, period. So uh, <laughs> thanks for having us out there, man. All right. Thanks, Chester. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chester Moore, the wildlife journalist, just like I am the outdoor success guy. Love that guy. Great heart for conservation. We didn't talk about conservation a lot on this show, but we talked about a wide variety of things I didn't even think we'd get into. So uh, I'm really excited about having the opportunity to share this with you because Chester's just a great guy. Awesome radio show that he has, More Outdoors, uh, M-O-O-R-E, more outdoors uh, that is on uh, KLVI 590 AM uh, as he talked about in his uh, his ending segment there and uh, really great opportunity to, to sit down and visit with him about uh, what matters in the outdoors and just some fun stuff about biology and facts and, and wildlife um, research and that kind of stuff. I mean, really, really good stimulating conversations. So I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Thank you guys so much again. Please also subscribe to our newsletters if you've not done so already. They are free to get. You get three times a week, sometimes four or five times a week, depending if we do an email blast with the sponsor or uh, the Whitetail National Newsletter, which comes out by bi monthly now, I believe, two, two times a month uh, through deer season, and then it'll be one time a month during uh it's called the whitetail national and um and, and it'll be out you know every month and sometimes twice a month during deer season and just different wildlife tips different um educational parts different things about hunting i've written some stuff for them about air guns and hunting whitetail and, and the best practices there uh but it's a really cool special newsletter that comes out on friday so you can sign up for that if you get all the newsletters uh for free delivered to your inbox and uh, we have some sponsors in those newsletters which i'd appreciate if you'd help out that kind of houses out on the advertising front uh henry usa is is 
one of our sponsors, uh, Henry Golden Boy Rifles, and all those different lever action rifles that Henry has are fantastic. So they're in the newsletter a lot of the weeks that we do this. And uh, don't forget that we also, those are free, and you can sign up for those at fishgame.com. Check out our whole blog, all of our other stories and everything that are there. Uh, and download the podcast there if you want to listen right on the webpage, which I know some of you guys are doing right now. Or if you want to download them on your um, on your mobile device, your phone or your tablet or whatever the case may be while you're at the gym or working out or um, while you are uh, walking your dog or uh, eating lunch or whatever the case may be. Whatever you listen to podcasts, it's great. Uh, the other thing you can do with Spotify now and listen to our show is listen on your Amazon Alexa. I know a lot of you guys, myself included, have one of those. Um, and it's a neat way to listen to the podcast through the Alexa app uh, on your phone through the Spotify app integration. So that's kind of cool. Anyway, thank you guys. I can't thank you enough for watching, reading, and listening. Have an awesome day in the outdoors. We'll see you next time.